Hi, I'm Dr. Akiva Down. And I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And welcome to Interesting Questions. In this podcast, we'll be addressing issues that are philosophical, religious, and psychological in nature. We will be focusing on that which is considered to be controversial, and there may not be a right or wrong answer. So we are hoping that our discussions will yield more questions for your Shabbos table. Hello, and welcome to Interesting Questions. Avi, this week I would like us to touch on a little bit about whether or not it is selfish to pursue your dreams and selfish to take time to figure out what those dreams are. This is an excellent time to start talking about dreams because we're about to enter into the Parshiot where our avot, our ancestors, begin to talk about their dreams and those are obviously uh, divine dreams but they very much lead into what it is they will be doing and what they want to accomplish. Uh, And I think that there's a, there's a piece of Yiddishkeit, of, of Jewish wisdom, that comes into play here, which is, Ezehu Ashir Hasameach Bechelko. Who is truly rich? It is somebody who is happy with what they do. Um, and I think we're going to get deeper into the idea of, you know, are you following your dreams, and is that a responsible thing to do versus being a responsible and contributing member of a household and of society. Um, But I think that Judaism would certainly say there is a component of happiness and going after what you enjoy doing and what you love doing that is an important part of, of your life, not simply working and slogging through uh, whatever it is you might be doing, because it is what you have to do to make your family uh, some money. So I'm going to turn it back over to you for for more insight, Akiva. So I know they have that phrase that the one who loves what they do never works a day in their life, which I, I think is an unfair and unrealistic expectation to set for people, because... I know that even though I am blessed to love what I do, the fact is is that there are days that are not good days. And that definitely, I think, constitutes work. And there are days where I'm very happy doing what I do, and it was still work. So I would say, first and foremost, that idea of, you know, the whole love what you do, then you don't work, that's, that's, we should probably get rid of that. Because I think it's just not helpful. It doesn't set people up with reasonable or, or helpful expectations. <clears throat> At the same time, I think that if there's a way to find a happy medium, a balance, where you're able to provide and either have that be what you love doing or figure out how to find a way to do something that helps to provide uh, an income, uh, uh, a support mechanism for your family and for yourself, and also think about what it is you love to do. That's perfectly reasonable. 
And and when I'm telling people, because a lot of times I do work with people of, of a transitional age where they're trying to figure out, okay, I'm done with school or I'm finishing school. What do I want to be doing next? And we kind of talk about the other aspect of there is a benefit to if what you really, really love doing won't provide you the income that you want or need for what your goals and dreams are, then figure out also what you're good at and capable of doing that will provide you that parnasa and make sure you have one of those things be a hobby so that you can still have time to fulfill in love with what you're doing. And I think in that three-pronged approach, I'd like to think that I'm pretty good at hitting almost everybody because, you know, there there is a group of people, I'm sure, and un- unfortunately, I, I, I should say, I have a feeling that unfortunately this is probably the majority in many ways of those who perhaps don't make a satisfactory or, for, or what they feel is a satisfactory income and hate what they do. And I think for those individuals absolutely they still deserve to be happy and so any way to help that achieve is necessary and if that means figuring out how to either get a hobby if that's if you're lucky enough to be able to find a hobby that you like or if you can if you can figure out a way to go back to school if there's something you always wanted to do but you needed more schooling to do it or or what have you just something where because I'm a firm believer that people should be able to, in some way or another, find something that they find fulfilling. And maybe that's the way of looking at it. Maybe it's think about what you're doing is fulfilling. Avi, what do you uh, think about that? So I want to, on that note, uh, I want to suggest a, you, if you're a reader, there's a book. If you're not a reader, there's a TED Talk. It's by, both are by Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. Uh, he's a fellow Brandeis alum, um, and it's called Start With Why. Uh, he's got some other, other good stuff out there, Leaders Eat Last and uh, Infinite Game. And these are sort of in the, in the business book section, but, but Start With Why can also really be an important book or an important idea for yourself, right? If you think about why you do what you do or why, what you really care about, and therefore why you want to do something, it will help you dive into that, that area that you are interested in, that you care about, um, and help you find whether it's that hobby or that job that's going to nurture you, that's going to help you grow. And so um, that's a resource that I would strongly recommend. If you haven't heard of him before, check him out. The next question is, if you have your why, why you want to do something, how do you do it? What do you have to say? A lot of times we, we leave school and we don't necessarily know what we want to do. You know, I, my, my aunt actually is an attorney and she talks all the time about how little experience they really give you in law school about what it is like to be an attorney and how by the time many attorneys find out that they hate what they do, they are far too in it, either from the 
indebtedness of being an attorney or from the lifestyle that they have begun to live from making the salary that an attorney makes, and then they end up miserable just the same. So I, I think that sometimes when we think we're learning about something professionally, we're not, because doing it is very different than learning about it. And so what I would say is there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for shadowing experiences, for talking to people who are in the fields that you're interested in and figuring out what does this entail? You know, I mean there's so many and what I would discourage actually is learning at things through non-personal ways. So for example, on social media you can look up and see all of these great crafts you can do. You can watch these professional woodworkers, carpenters make these amazing items. And you might think to yourself, oh, I want to do that. But you've never picked up a tool in your entire life. And they make it look so easy on social media. But it's not a true picture of what it is. For those who say, oh, well, I love watching my teacher work because, you know, they only work seven hours a day and then they have two months plus off a year. The truth is that's not the life of a teacher. Teachers work long, long hours because their day does not start when the students enter the room and it does not end when the students leave the room. And it certainly does not mean that they have summers to themselves where they're not doing things, either growing professionally, working or what have you. So I, I think a lot of these ways are really to, to ask, to find out, to see what is it like, what is the experience, and know ultimately that you are not going to start where you are talking to the person who already is or has been doing for a very long time, right? So obviously we, I think we might do a decent piece of this in medicine, I don't know, I can't speak too much for other professions, but I know that in medicine at least, with residency, right, you do get the opportunity to, even in medical school, we have clinical uh, experiences. And then in residency, we do what it is that we are going to do. But I will tell you at the same time, when you're dealing with residents versus attendings versus retired physicians, they're all in a very different parts of their lives. And so it is, even then, not a perfect moniker for what your life is going to look like straight out of the box. And so that gets back into the really loving what you do. But I guess the other question that comes to my mind, and Avi, maybe you can speak to this, um, is... What if you pick wrong the first time? What if you want something different? Yeah, so I was just thinking about people who are looking at second careers. And I think that one of the most important components is really humility. It's being willing to say, you know what, this isn't working. Or you know what, as much as I love it, it's not bringing in the income I need for my family. Um, and being able to say, I'm going to humble myself where you know I was doing X or making Y, and now I have to um, humble myself in terms of my stature in a company, or I have to um, go back and learn skills that I will need 
even though they're skills that everybody else seems to have. Um, I'm of an age where I remember computers being brought into offices and how at first every boss had their secretary do the following. They would look up their email, print out the email, the boss would respond in writing on the paper to the email, the secretary would write up the response and send it back. Today, that's no longer the case. Even at an executive, at the highest executive levels, you're expected to be able to handle electronic communication on your own. And so you may have somebody who manages it for you to make sure that only the things that are you really need to see are getting through are, are coming to you, but you still need to be able to handle email and, and electronic communication on your own. And so it's a skill. It's a skill that some people had to acquire and they had to humble themselves and say, well, why am I hiring some teenager to come teach me how to use email? Well, because the teenager knows how and you don't, right? Why is it that I have to humble myself and say I'm going to go back and, and apprentice myself at half of what I used to charge in order to acquire this new skill? Well, because if you want to be able to do that, it takes some time. And while there may be certain careers that make it very difficult to return or, or go back and make those second careers, I'm not sure that if I wanted to be a doctor, I could really begin and master pieces of that at this point in my life. You could. There were people in my medical school class who were on their second career at, uh, at a decent age. Um, so maybe. Uh, I'm not sure that, that medicine is, is in my future at this point, but um, again, maybe it's a, just a question of humbling oneself and saying, if this is what I want to do, I have to be willing to pay my dues again. I have to be willing to humble myself and learn from everyone again and recognize that there are going to be people who are older and wiser, and I have to be willing to learn from them and at the same time, maybe some of the life experience that I have will allow me to have a practical life experience advantage. Um, because sometimes what comes with age and experience is not only knowledge, but practical knowledge, practical ability to understand the world. Um, and recognize what's important in it. You know, Avi, that reminds me of a uh, mission per cavote that we've recently done, which was basically the idea was make sure you learn from everyone. And I think that that's a beautiful way to put it, is that it doesn't matter the age or, or what wisdom they have because if they happen to know something that you don't, there's value there, and you should give it the the value that it's due. Um, you know, I, it reminds me in, in part of ways people will go to to have that second life if it's necessary. Um, you know, I'll just share a brief story about somebody when I was on my surgical rotation in medical school, my third year. One of the residents. Uh, was someone from India, and he was already a 
very successful surgeon in India. He was one of three who was doing laparoscopic surgeries at the time, and he would talk about how he would drive all over the country. Remember, India's kind of a big country. And uh, his kid wanted to move to the U.S. So he is do was redoing his entire residency in surgery for his child. And I realize that's different about what we're talking about, and yet at the same way it's the idea of a humbling yourself but also putting what is most important to you first and in this case his kid wanted to be in the u.s and he wanted that life for his child so he moved um, and and i guess that brings to the third piece that we've discussed which is or might be the fourth piece forgive me i lost count uh which is how do I make sure that it's working? And if not, can I be willing to say it's not working? Which I think is a very important aspect. I don't think that it's reasonable to stay in something and say, I'll just keep, I'll just keep doing it, I'll just keep doing it, right? And, and that's true for whatever kind of profession we're talking about. Whether you're, God forbid, a surgeon who realizes that unsteady hands are not the best choice or an educator who all of the kids seem like they're just dumb and don't care when, well, it's probably not all the, all the students or even, a, you know, a, a server who doesn't know how to balance and remember orders, right? All of these different pieces are important for the career and every career is important. Again, I think we learned during especially, some of us learned and some of us were reminded during COVID that all of those professions that we sometimes think of as not essential are in fact very essential. And so I think it's important to remember whatever you figure yourself on doing, it's important. And so it's really a matter of realizing what am I going to do and how am I going to be the most fulfilled because the other thing is, if you're fulfilled in what you're doing for really a good third of your life, then the other two-thirds will also be more fulfilling, which is going to help you be happier and a better partner and a better parent and a better sibling and a better child and a better learner. And so what if you're not thinking about changing careers or changing jobs at the moment? So then I would say it's important to take a moment and be grateful for either the ability to be self-employed or for your employer, the fact that you're happy where you are, that you can do the things that you do, and take a moment to share that gratitude because I think sometimes employees and employers take things for granted and so having that moment of gratitude and recognizing both for yourself and for your employer that while not everything may be perfect you truly appreciate um, the opportunities that you have whether it's opportunities for growth, opportunities to earn 
income, um, opportunities to serve, those are important as well. And so I think the question for around the Shabbos table takes us all the way back to the beginning of our conversation where we say, why? Why do you want to do what you do or what you want to do? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at iqdiscuss at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and responding.